The CGA Tour, a podcast unlike any other. Now your host, Calvin Alexander. Welcome back to the latest episode of the CGA Tour podcast. I'm your host, Calvin Glenn Alexander, and on this episode, I'm joined by Jake Carlson. I would say almost as always, but almost as always, definitely when it regard, regards Oklahoma State University and the uh, football and basketball team as well. So, Jake, how's it going? It's going well. Um, we just had our last day of, of classes, so I am officially on break. Must must be nice for sure. I know I have a short week next week, at least with work. But granted, I definitely still have still have a couple days of work. So, with that being said, let's talk about why I think people are turning in for the podcast more or less instead of our work schedules, which is Oklahoma State basketball recap as well as a football recap of the previous game. And if we have a little bit of time for it, talk about where we hope Oklahoma State plays a bowl game. Regardless, yeah, you know, just see how it goes. So. That being said, Oklahoma State played TCU on Wednesday. We have another Big 12 matchup coming up on this Sunday against Texas at Texas. Um, The TCU matchup was in Stillwater. And really following the game, I think it comes down to a couple different things. But my quick news and notes from it is that, again, our three-point shooting is not elite. It's not incredibly good, which I was hoping it would be. But also, we don't rebound extremely well at all. And when it came down to it, we could not score in the final two minutes of the game. Final two minutes of 21 seconds, we did not score a bucket, which TCU, on the other hand, did score. And I believe they went on a 8 or 11 point run somewhere in there and ended up, of course, winning the game. Granted, just by one, but they, they ended up being clutch when it counted, and we were not. Yeah, I mean, watching TCU, they really don't seem like a bad basketball team. Um, they definitely, they have a good coach. Um, I think, I think Jamie Dixon has always been a, a solid coach. Um, but I, I came out feeling like it was a game that we should have won. I mean, TCU is six and two and their losses are to OU who, who seems pretty decent this year and Providence. Um, so for whatever that's worth, I couldn't tell you how good of a basketball team Providence is. But we beat Marquette. I, I'm I'm sure Marquette will probably be better than Providence. But it it's hard saying it felt like a game we should have won because we shot ourselves in the foot so much. And I know you can probably kind of agree with that. It seemed like, I mean, we had it in our hands and we just kind of we just kind of blew it. I, there's not much more I can say about it. I mean. I wouldn't say Cade played incredible. He shot 33%. He took 18 shots. I I can't imagine with the team that we have of scores that he's going to be taking that many shots that often if he's shooting that poorly, especially in the first half. I know that's when he was really struggling. He was like one for nine at halftime, I think, right? Um, so, yeah, it... It was a it was a difficult game. I know we've got to make our free throws. That's one of the big things that that really came back to bite us. And I know we shot more free throws than them, but we've really got to make our free throws. If we make if we make our free throws, then we win. So you know, take that for what it's worth. But it it was hard saying we should have won, but. It was. It's also hard saying that we should have lost. And for the record, this is the second time that he has taken 18 shots. He took 18 shots against Oral Roberts, but he he doesn't seem like he's the most efficient scorer in the world, does he? At least right now. So I, I think there's the Kate Cunningham love that goes around. The whole, the whole entire college football, excuse me, college basketball realm of Kate Cunningham, number one overall pick, Kate Cunningham, this, this. I think that got to him a little bit, to be honest. He opens up the game, like you said, he only makes one shot in the first half. He ends up shooting 18 shots overall, which, listen, this guy is incredible. He plays incredibly good basketball night in, night out. But when it comes down to it, he, in the final shot of the game, he took a, a kind of fadeaway or, you know, jump 
you know, I mean, you know, kind of jump back two pointer with two guys on him, almost three. So I thought it was in. I honestly thought it was in when he and, it, and if it had gone in, that would have been incredible, and I wouldn't be talking about it and go, oh "My gosh, he's the greatest thing I've ever seen." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, but it's one of those yeah. shots where if Kobe hits it, I expect him to. I don't expect Kay Cunningham to hit that shot. Kay Cunningham is not Kobe. No one is. But what I'm saying is, is that he's not a pure shooter. He's not a guy who shoots a ton of threes and makes them, and that's how he plays winning basketball. He instead plays winning basketball by getting other guys involved, and by being, like, the main option for Oklahoma State, but not necessarily scoring, being the main guy who rebounds, being the main guy who plays defense, being the main guy who does everything. I mean, he's he's literally the dude you draft number one overall because he does everything extremely well. If there is something to, to nitpick at in his game, it's his ability to hit three-point shots. Granted, with that being said, before anyone jumps down my throat, Yes, he beat Wichita State with a, you know, I mean, a step back, you know, whatever you want to say, Harden-esque style, you know, crossover, you know, pull up from three. And that's how he beats Wichita State. So, you know, I mean, I, I can't say he's not a great shooter when that's how we beat a team, right? And that's it's with him shooting mm-hmm. three. I do think that I'm not going to be known as being wrong, though, forever when I say Kay Cunningham is not going to be the next Steph Curry. He's not going to be the next Clay Thompson. Right. He is going to be the next, maybe, you know, maybe LeBron if we want to say that or whatever it is. Right. I, I've seen the comparisons to Luka Doncic, which I I get it from one aspect, which is the physicality he plays with and his ability to get to the rim and still put up shots. I don't get it from the fact of him just like hitting crazy shots because that doesn't. I mean, that doesn't happen. Right, that's not a reliable aspect of anyone's game. Luca's amazing mm-hmm. three-point, you know, three-pointer of the buzzer to beat the Clippers in the playoff bubble was amazing, in- incredible. But that's not a shot that he is practicing day in day out. I don't think. Right, if it is, that would surprise me. So, Kate shot okay. He didn't shoot incredibly well, of course, and could have shot better. And individually, he's, you know, I mean. I mean, he's, you know, he's averaging 32.6 minutes a game, and he's at right there next to Isaac Likely, and there's no one else on the team that averages more than 30 points a game. So those are the two guys you look for to make shots, and of the two, I definitely trust the ball being in Kate's hand a lot more than, you know, Likely's. Yeah, it, and, you know, I'm not saying that he's an efficient scorer. He just doesn't necessarily appear to be one right now and he's shooting 44.9 percent on the year which is good i would say that's good especially for college basketball i would say that's good that's good for nba well he's shooting 40 percent 41.7 percent from three so we're gonna round that it's 42 percent from three right and i'm out here saying yeah. he's not a great three-point shooter and he's shooting 42 percent from three on the season it's just he's not he didn't make those shots against tcu you know he just he just didn't that's what happened but so far. plain and simple and and you know, they they say basketball it's a make or miss. They they call NBA make or miss league. If you make shots, you're usually going to win. If you miss shots, you're usually going to lose. And that's what happened. And we shot three for seventeen from three, and missed a handful of free throws, especially down the end. And those were free throws. It's like so we weren't scoring baskets in the last two minutes, but we were. Um, we were taking free throws, but we just weren't hitting them. And that came back to bite us. And obviously, I'm not going to put this game all on Cade. Would I like to see him take 18 shots? Probably not. But if anything, it at least shows his confidence in what he's able to do, which is fantastic. Uh, and I can't expect him to be unfair. But he's also won his games. So I'm not going to batter the guy for being a freshman and coming out and being an inefficient scorer. We've seen a lot of inefficient scorers in college basketball just because it's so much different. And as much as I love Fran Fraschilla, uh, um, he actually brought up the point, which was a very good one, where he said, Cade will be better 
will be more acclimated into the NBA because there's so much more spacing. He will have guys around him that are able to shoot. He will have a pure big man, which he really doesn't have right now. He really doesn't. We don't have a pure big man. And I wouldn't say, I mean, who are our three-point shooters? We have Flavors, of course, who's a fantastic three-point shooter. And if anyone wants to say, well, he's not fantastic. Yeah, he's not great this year, but he shot 43% from three last year. So, but yeah, it, it, he, he will have more help in the NBA. And um, I don't even necessarily know if he needs more help now because I, I feel like we've got a really good basketball team. I feel like we have an incredibly good basketball team. Totally with you there. It's just going to take a while for these guys to get acclimated. I think seeing six guys play their first Big 12 basketball game and losing and collapsing the final two minutes is not anything unheard of especially when it's during this COVID time and you don't have your own home fans and all type of stuff to really help you out down the stretch, right? Mm-hmm. The other thing I'll say is, is that I'm talking about how Kate had a bad game when he led the team in minutes and he led the team in points, right? So I, I you know, I got to give the guy a break. He is a true freshman out there playing. So yeah. for all being said, I know that the other thing that Oklahoma State needs to help with is I've talked with an NBA scout recently and his biggest thing about Cade is that he doesn't have uh, any help at all on the three-point side of things. His teammates that are supposed to be making threes are not. And when you look at it, Flavors, as you said, made 40-plus percent last year. Well, this season, he's got he's 26% from three. So, I mean, the guy who's shooting the, mo- the best percentage-wise from three, besides Cade, or actually even including Cade, is Avery Anderson, who's three of six. So, we, and that's, that's the small sample size of any guy who's shot you know more than two on the roster so we know it's not great right. chris harris jr has only played one game he generally shoots a couple threes pretty darn well but i think he's double checking his knees all right rondell walker probably could shoot you know a couple more threes but he's 30 percent. it's not horrible isaac likely's 37.5 percent from three but bryce williams is you know, 31 percent too and Rondo Walker is an incredible um, finisher around the rim. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to say that, like, we need that three-point shooting. I honestly just think we don't need to be shooting as many threes as we are. And I think it's like, I, I think it's as plain as simple as that. If if you're open, Cade's going to get you open, I promise. I've seen him do it before. And I've watched seven games. He's going to get you open if you were there. So it's one of those things of like, okay, I I just really don't think that our team is set up to be shooting 17 threes a game. I don't. And I know that's the way the NBA is going, but that's, and maybe you could argue that's the way college basketball is going, but I don't think that's the way our team should necessarily be going unless we have to. And I don't think we need to, I don't think we have to right now. Not at all. I, I will say we have played, only one conference game, which has been much different than any of our other games from the fact that I think it's just a tougher opponent. Yeah, period. I, we'll see how good Marquette ends up being at the end of the season. They have had a really good you know, stretch here of just beating teams, but we'll see. The other side of it is that I think we're shooting a lot of threes because we're getting shot out of the gym on threes on the other end. Our average three-pointers right. made in a game is 6.6. On average, we're making 6.6 threes a game. Of course, we only made three in one whole game, um, you know, on Wednesday, whereas our opponents are making 8.9 threes a game on average. So, I mean, almost nine there. And that that's a that's a large issue. That's a large issue, especially when you've played UTA and you've played ORU and you've played, I mean, Oakland, you know, so... When you play yeah. these teams that should not be that great, it's tough for me to go, man. We're really, you know, we're really primed to be that great. But I, I think also, a lot of our guys who are starting week to week are either completely true freshmen. I mean, in, in Cade and um, Flavors is a freshman with the team. I know he's a, you know, I know he's a grad, you know, grad transfer, but he's a freshman with the team. The Boone Twins, when they both, play, you know, were starting together or sophomores. Likely, of course, is a junior, I believe. So there's a lot that goes into it. You know, there's a lot that is, hey, this is a brand new team 
All of that together, though, with being said, TCU did lose their best player last season. We lost arguably our best player. I, if you want to say it's either Lindy or Cam, you know, McCarrie McGriff or whoever you want to say. But, I mean, TCU lost Desmond Bain and he got drafted in the first round. So, they definitely had a bigger talent gap going into the season than we did. And, of course, we have who's the presumed, no matter what, top five pick in the country in the NBA draft, if not the number one overall, and Kate Cunningham on our roster. So, we should be winning games. Great, we're just not. And so... I kind of want to move that into a little bit more of the Big 12 basketball standings and a Big 12 basketball preview here as well. We've seen so almost everyone I, in the Big 12 I, play play at least one conference game. Yeah. So I want to note that I was listening to Titus and Tate today, and they anointed Oklahoma State as their Big 12 team that they're going to fanboy over this year, which is fantastic. Um, and they noted that Ben Simmons started off his season three and three at LSU. And I think Markel Fultz was around that. And they said that you could tell, which I agree with because I watched it, that they seemed pretty checked out from the, towards the beginning of the year. They're like, why am I here? And if there's anything that I want to applaud Cade for uh, other off the basketball court, is he appears like he wants to be there. He plays like he wants to be there. And that's just something great to see. That's something that we don't always see from number one picks unless they're at Duke or North Carolina or Kansas. When you have these guys that are, you know, go to your Oklahoma State or Washington or LSU or maybe even Texas, they're kind of checked out. But in the Big 12, it's it's really difficult to do that because – just the gauntlet of schedule that you have to play. I mean, we put, I, I ran over the schedule the other, uh, was that last podcast? Maybe the one before. And I mean, it's like we go at Texas, at Texas Tech, West Virginia. So we have three top 15 ranked matchups in a row. So, and that's just, and then we go at K-State and then we Kansas, OU. At West Virginia, Baylor, at Iowa State, Arkansas. And so it just doesn't slow down, ever. And it's very difficult. And you see it. If you watch Big 12 basketball, you see it. It's very difficult to check out in the Big 12. And if anything, we started off 0-7 in Big 12 play last year. Is that right? 0-7? 0-6? I believe 0-7. so. Yeah, I believe so. So unless we start out 0-8, anything's going to be a step up. And I I guess my, my hope is that we beat one of the three ranked teams that we play coming up at Texas, at Texas Tech, and then West Virginia at home. You have to see us coming away with a win from one of those. Maybe two. Because Texas is very good. They're very, they're a veteran team. Texas Tech is obviously very good. They just, they lost to Kansas last night, but they're very good. And God, West Virginia, I hate watching those basketball games, but they're very good too. Well, half of the Big 12 is ranked in the top 15 in the country, right? Texas Tech is, Texas Tech is the worst ranked team of those group of five in the Big 12. So who who are we going to, who are we going to beat? You know, that's kind of why I look at it week to week is, when the Oklahoma State came out as the preseason ranked like seventh in Big Twelve, I go, "Ah oh, man, really? That sucks." Like that's my gut reaction. But then I go, "Right." Then I go, "Well, in March Madness, the Big Twelve generally gets in like seven teams. So if yeah. we're in March Madness by that ranking, by that idea, not too bad, right?" So and and TCU came in as nine, and they're six and two. Mm-hmm. So. Who knows what they could do, too. And I, I would say you never know with them. But, but yeah, I mean, 12-wise, it's just a, it's a freaking gauntlet. And it is every year. It, it truly is. So, with that being said, who do you have, like, one through three, one through four? Um, not necessarily doesn't have to be in order or so because everything's going to just be flipping the whole season because the big 12, of course, plays each other. So, but who do you have? Like, let's say the top tier 
middle tier and then you know bottom tier of the Big 12 standings if you refer to it that way because I think that's a better way to do it than saying yeah oh I think Baylor's going to be one when KU could be literally one loss behind them and an, um, another number one seed or something crazy too yeah so so after like watching the games and then I looked at the Big 12 uh the big 12 thingies uh preseason poll sorry um it looks pretty accurate i would say because you've got baylor one who hasn't played a big 12 game yet kansas at two uh was it texas or west virginia at three i think those teams are going to flip-flop all year and those well no 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 so it'll be my upper echelon, and then I'm going to go like a or elite. We'll go elite. Baylor is an elite basketball team. Upper echelon is Kansas, Texas Tech, Texas, and West Virginia. So that's five. And then you've got Iowa State, Oklahoma State, TCU. And who am I missing? Because Kansas State's at the bottom. Yeah, and we know that. Um. Uh, Who am I tech? Did you name Tech? I I thought I named Tech. So, upper echelon Baylor. Mm-hmm. Then you've got oh OU obviously. Oh yeah, yeah. OU. Yeah. Um, I think I think OU is closer to. They just seem like a really good basketball team this year. They really do, and but they seem more like a really good basketball team in the terms of how like OSU plays basketball in the past. Now, obviously, this year we have a top pick. Um, and just like OU, you know, they'll get their Trey Youngs, they'll get their Blake Griffins, and and that happens. But they play really good basketball. They have Brady Manick, who's a very good scorer, and then what is his name, like Austin Morrison or something like that? I think. Yeah, I'm Not looking Austin through it a little Morrison. bit more Austin now. Austin Reeves, yeah, Austin Reeves, and and he's a really good player too. And they beat. Um, they beat TCU by four. And then who else? Kansas State also has a Big 12 win against Iowa State. And they beat them by nine. And that was at Iowa State. So Iowa State might not be very good either. I'm not going to lie to you. I haven't watched them at all. So, and I think that's the only Big 12 team I haven't watched. Um, I watched most of Texas Tech and Kansas last night and the game started off very quickly and then kind of went into the lull that we expected it to be. The whole well, it went into a screeching halt to say that. Yeah. I, what, what was it? Yeah. 58, 57. Was that the final right. score? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. It. I, 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 I'm, I'm going to say this. I think it's Baylor, KU, um, Texas, West Virginia. I think those are the top four in the Big 12, right? Then I think we get to a little bit, just a little bit of a drop when it comes to Tech. Just because Tech's got a lot of new guys on their roster, too. They have Mac McClung, who transferred there out of Georgetown. So happy that we get to play that guy again. Of course, I'm being sarcastic here because he killed us last year when we played uh, when we played Georgetown. He just went off for, I think, 30 points or something nuts. So then I have, but then I have Tech. TCU, Oklahoma State, OU, all there right in the middle. I think TCU week to week could be good, could be bad. Grand, they won, then they beat us last night, so I think they got to be above us through one game, but who knows, starting the season, how we look versus how they look, all type of stuff too. OU, as you said, looks pretty darn good. It's going to be tough for Oklahoma State to play any team that has true bigs because we are really missing out on that that guy down low. I mean, Bernard Kuma played five minutes it looks like against TCU, maybe less, even though he started the game. So that just shows you Boynton's trying to make an impact and trying to get through to you know a couple of guys on the roster. Maybe it's Moncrief, maybe it's the other Boone twin that isn't starting right now, and say you need to, you, know, you need to really show us and step up if you want to start because you're playing starter minutes. Altogether, we we are not going to be able to rebound the basketball and do that well, which is unfortunate. Um, just for the whole season, I think that hey, our six foot eight point guard and Kate Cunningham, as I mentioned him again, 
is going to have to be the guy to rebound. But then, you know, when we play OU and Brady Manick and other guys too, it's just going to be tough. And so I have us, you know, the kind of the four of us there. And then the last two, I have Iowa State and K-State. K-State, of course, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what they're, I don't know what they're doing. I've seen they dropped a game to a D2 opponent where it looks like they yeah. almost got blown out. But they, they're going to be tough. I mean, don't get me wrong. Every team in the Big 12 is tough. Year in, year out. It, there are no surefire wins in Big 12 basketball. There's not there's not mm-hmm. really a KU of football in Big 12 basketball. There's not. That's not a thing. So, And so going 500 in the Big 12 is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty darn good. You really want to rely on those non-conference wins to get your team over 500 overall, and that's that's what we're right. going to be looking for because we were able to play six non-conference games. So, how does that impact our you know standings, all type of stuff? I of course losing to TCU by one means that we should definitely not be in the ranking conversation at least right now. But who knows if we are able to do something crazy and knock off Texas at Texas? There's got to be some bigger and better talk. I'm curious to see how Kate Cunningham plays and how all of Oklahoma State plays, of course, in another game on ESPN when it's not the first one, I guess. You know, we get one more and see how mm-hmm. we do, all type of stuff, too. And, yeah, I mean, it it really just comes down to the physicality of the Big 12. And I, I honestly don't think the Big 12 is the best conference this year. Um, I think it... I think it usually is just top to bottom because everyone's playing each other. I think it usually is, but from a standpoint of, is it the best top to bottom this year? No, I think the big 10 is, is very, very good. But I mean, when there's you, like you said, half of the conference is ranked and I know we have the least amount of teams, but that still says something because they're not, they're not poorly ranked. I mean, so that that says something, and the fact that I actually don't think Texas was ranked in the preseason. I know Texas Tech and West Virginia were, but I mean, it's just it's just a slate of hard games, and I think I think if we end up fifth in the Big Twelve at the end of the year, I think we'd be very happy with that. Yeah, to be honest, if we finish better than our preseason ranking, I'll be extremely excited. And honest, and if we do finish seventh, I won't be down in the dumps about it as long as we make March Madness. You know, as long as we make it to the mm-hmm. dance. Because the Big 12 is that tough. is really, really tough year in, year out. And we should, fingers crossed, stand a chance of making a little bit of noise in the Big 12 tournament as well as in March Madness. All being said... Which is usually rewarded. The, yeah. the tournament committee usually rewards the Big 12 being very a very difficult conference. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, any other any kind of news notes we want to touch on here with the Big 12 basketball season? It just looks like every team's playing each other really tough so far. Yeah, and I think I think we'll continue to see that. Maybe, you know, I'll be interested to see. I think the real litmus test is, like, us going to be playing Baylor. Um and the first time we play Baylor is the 23rd of January at home. But that'll be coming off a four-day rest after playing at West Virginia. So, it, I mean, it's just it's just absolutely brutal. It really is. And I look at our schedule and I'm like, geez, it's tough. It's very, very tough. So, um, I hope we end up well. I don't think I will... I don't think I can come back from this year saying that I'll be extremely disappointed if we finish, you know, even eighth, because it's clear that the Big 12 is just very, very good this year. Yeah. And the Big 12 is usually pretty darn good year in, year out, but this year, especially. I think this year, I mean, this year, there are, there's a possibility we could see eight Big 12 teams, you know, 80% of the conference in the dance. It's possible, at least. It's it's worthy of a conversation to have because, I mean, we're, you know, we're playing that good. So, 
at the end of the day, yeah. I'm, I'm, ex- I'm excited and, for Oklahoma State basketball. I've said that earlier, and I'm still excited. Even when we dropped a game, it was only by one. I think it was a winnable game. I will not understand the TCU final play design with Cade basically just going over to the left side of the court. I mean, there were seven seconds left on the clock. I know we had to go the full length of the court, but still, I feel like what, no matter who you have, you should be able to do a, a better play design than basically letting TCU trap us kind of over on the wing. And the shot almost went in, as we said earlier. So if Cade made the shot, I, I would be eating my words right now. But, you know, something else where likely we drives would, the ball the court, whatever. Yeah, yeah, we won't be talking about it. We're talking about how that we think that we're maybe in the, you know, maybe the fifth best team in the Big 12 and deserve to be close to the close to the fourth. Our, you know, all of our biases aside, I think we're we're higher on OSU when we win and we're lower on OSU when we lose. And we think, you know, the losses impact more because we, we've been there before. We've seen that fan perspective. So I think we're harder on our team when we lose and we're nicer on our team when we win for that, for, for all, all into its purposes. So, yeah. all right, well... Um, all, all wrapped up with Big 12 basketball a little bit. Let's talk about how Oklahoma State football at least finished off the season, regular season, of course, um, won 42-3 and beat Baylor. It wasn't it wasn't even that close, I would say. It, it was a lot of fun. Dylan Stoner caught three touchdown passes in the first half, almost first quarter, and that was almost the game. Josh Richardson, Oklahoma State true freshman running back, got some touches, or maybe he's a, maybe he's a redshirt, but... I, might be true freshman running back. Got some touches as Chuba has officially opted out of the rest of the season. Is trained for the NFL. L.D. Brown, not really any official words on him so far. Maybe he will play in the bowl game. Maybe he won't. But he didn't see any minutes either. And so, no, those Dominic are my Richardson. news and notes. Yeah, Dominic Richardson. Josh Richardson is the NBA player. But yeah. Oh yes, thank you so much, Dominic Richardson. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it's honestly not what I expected, but it's clear that our defense was pretty, has been pretty pissed off. So they were just like, you know what? We're just going to shut them down and trying to find their totals. They had a total yardage of 156. Baylor had 156 total yards. Um, which should tell you everything we know. We still had two turnovers, which is, you know, par for the course, I guess, at this point. But, yeah, I mean, it's clear that, and I said this to you earlier this week, it's clear that we have had the receivers all year. And we just haven't utilized them like I expect them to. And you and I have talked about why we think, and it's just – one reads man to man. That's that's clearly why we're we're throwing to certain people or attacking certain things. But the fact that Tylen Wallace has had a third has had a three touchdown game this year, right? Mm-hmm. I I can't imagine there are many teams that have three two three touchdown receivers. That is a mouthful. Two three touchdown receivers in a single game in a single year. Um, but we did it. And it's just, it really is incredible that, that we are able to get these guys that, that can do the things that they do. He did not, did he have a three touchdown game? Sorry, I'm looking right now. I think he did against he Texas, two, right? He had two, two touchdown games. Okay. He had two touchdowns against Texas and two touchdowns against KU. Hmm. He only had six touchdowns all year, which I feel like I'm not even going to go there. But I feel like he should have had more. There's definitely a podcast coming up here after the bowl game where we do a Big 12 you know, football wrap-up podcast. And we spend, of course, half of it on Oklahoma State, <laughs> which is coming. I'll say this. I mean, good to get that quality win. Good to get some guys, younger guys some playing time. And... Good for Dylan Stoner to get, I think, a game that he, no matter what he had coming at some point, just the only part of is that of the whole thing that seems unfortunate is that it's just too a little too late. Our offense scores forty plus points in a game for the first time in a while, and it's against Baylor in the very last week of the season when nothing really counts. So yeah, 
Oh well. Um, lastly, it, here, it's, yeah, it's it's just clear that we we have had the guys all year. You know, like I know Tylen is obviously a great receiver, but it's clear that we have had other guys all year that we just haven't used. And even you know, you can even look at the running backs too. It's clear that we have had the running backs all year. I mean, we've had four running backs rush for over 100 yards in a game. Four. Four. Yeah. No, I, mean, I heard you. I heard you. I, um, it's, yeah, it, our running game has not necessarily been the issue, but I don't know if... I don't know what's been the issue, but I think there's several different factors from several different angles, and the Baylor game we didn't have any issues, which was nice. That was that was nice to see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wanted to bring up the the Big Twelve, uh, the All Big Twelve uh, awards. rankings. Yeah, All Big Twelve awards. Mm. Rodarius Williams did not make. All Big 12 first team. Or second team. Right? He did make second team. He did make, he second, did make team. second team. Okay. He did make second team. Um, that is very problematic to me. And I know it's really not that big of a deal. But, I mean, the fact that someone... And, the fact that someone from Texas Tech made it is ridiculous. Because I'm pretty sure, according to what I've looked at, that Rodarius Williams has been ranked from Pro Football Focus one of the top five corners in the country this year. He, I believe he has the least, top five least amount of catches against him this year. And at one point, he was leading the nation by a lot with the amount of snaps he's played without catches. And the the fact that we don't have anybody make all Big 12 first team for defense is ridiculous. Same with OU. I mean, I know I'm on my OSU high horse, but same, same with OU. Like, R- Ronnie Perkins should be on the—I don't care how many games he's played. He's clearly— a first all team first Big Twelve, first team all Big Twelve, first team all Big Twelve defensive lineman, and it's not disputable. And they literally gave OU three all Big Twelve second team awards to linemen. That just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I, I really don't know what they're looking at and. Tevin Jenkins made offensive line. How many games did Tevin Jenkins play? I uh, probably seven, seven to ten. I mean, I think he, I think since the OU game he hasn't played, but he played the OU game and what that was two or three games ago, right? Because that was OU Tech and then Baylor. So he played. Yeah. Yeah, full seven games. Maybe he missed another one due to COVID issues or something like that that I'm unaware of, but but yeah. And I can imagine he's de- going to declare, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If he's able to, yeah, declare. he played. He played seven. He played seven. You're right. Um, and then Tylen Wallace made first team All Big Twelve. But that's just that's a little ridiculous to me. Uh, the fact that I mean Iowa State, fine, but a lot of the guys that were clearly dominating the country didn't make all big 12 first team. Yeah. And for anyone saying, Oh, Parkinson played enough games. He literally made second team. So he clearly played enough games to make a team. He just didn't play enough games to make first team would be the only thing I think someone could say. And second team, we have what? Four guys. All DBs or you know linebacker. We have Amen, Ogbogmaniga, Malcolm Rodriguez. Then we have Colby Harville Peel and Rodarius Williams. Of course, the one guy who's clearly missing out of this whole thing is Trey Sterling. But yep, 
maybe they just couldn't they, they couldn't find it in their hearts to give us another DB. I don't I don't know. There's 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 multiple things that are wrong with this list, but the key thing is that OU and Oklahoma State didn't have one dude on the defensive side of the ball make first team. And we had one dude make second team offensively. And it's just Chuba. Chuba, yeah. And Chuba definitely deserves it for sure. But I don't know. I, I don't. We, we deserve I, another I really, guy. Like, we deserve another guy. Even like Marvin Mims, right? Like Marvin Mims was incredible this year. The fact that he's second team is just. And I'm not trying to water down my point with the fact of like they don't know what they're doing with with naming OU players, but those are guys that it's like, yeah, Ronnie Perkins is a first team All Big Twelve, first team All Big Twelve player, right? Like mm-hmm. he dominated us, dominated, and he should have been named it just purely on that. But it just. It just seems a little ridiculous that him and Rodarius Williams were left off that first team defensively because Rodarius Williams statistically is one of the best corners in the country. And Ronnie Perkins is, you know, I don't even need to go into him because he, he killed us. Right. And the guys who are on the list instead of Rodarius Williams are guys who for for all defense first team at the you know DBs is a tech guy, a Baylor dude, one Iowa State guy, and two TCU players. So listen, I'm fine with Iowa State taking some of this. I'm fine with OU taking some of this. They're playing the Big Twelve Championship. That's what I would think you would expect. But really, I mean, maybe Jalen Beatry just really stopped you know, OU's wider, you know, Mims whenever they played, and I just didn't watch enough of Baylor football and didn't watch enough Texas Tech football, but both of those guys being over Rodarius Williams seems insane. I mean, I guess the Zach McPherson guy did transfer from Penn State, but still. So, I'm looking. Rodarius Williams was ranked the 15th best corner individually by Pro Football Focus. Um, and this is through five games. He had allowed 0.2 yards per coverage snap, the lowest in the FBS, and nearly a full yard lower than the average. Um, I mean, what what more do I need to say? That, and I'm sure it went back up after OU absolutely dismantled us. But my gosh, the. F- He's going to get drafted, and I don't know how many, if any of those other guys will get drafted above him. Yeah. Totally wasn't like, I there. Don't, I don't, I'm, I'm, and I'm not going to say I sit here no like Jalen Petrie, right? But he plays for Baylor, who won two games. Mm-hmm. Which I, I think, did Jalen, Jalen Petrie got first team, right? Yeah, Jalen Petrie. And I'm not bashing the guy. He he's clearly a very very good corner, but wins and losses have to come in at some point, right? They do. How much were, and, how and, much were you a factor in your your team playing a game? And if you're an all defensive first team guy, you either go. Did he lead the conference in interceptions? No. Did he lead the yeah. conference in whatever it is? And he just he just didn't. Um, and two TCU guys too, by the way. Yeah, two, two TCU, TCU guys. Backs. Yeah, who? I mean, granted, we're, we can't talk about Oklahoma State finishing number one in the Big Twelve. That it's annoying, of course, year after year. But TCU didn't do either. Do it either. You know, TCU of course dropped their handful of games as well. Granted, I guess they beat Texas, but they, you know, they they beat the all football all uh, Big Twelve second teams quarterback. And Ellinger, so Sam Ellinger, who had less than 170 yards passing against Oklahoma State, won All Defensive Big 12 second team quarterback. So, and, and Trey Sterling being off, left off as well is just insane. But I think we knew there were going to be some snubs for Oklahoma State's defense just being left off of you know all Big 12 awards. I just didn't think it'd be left off the first team completely. 
and that that's the biggest stunner I have. You know, there there are way too many guys that I'm way too high on that definitely deserve a rating somewhere somehow. But Jason Taylor had multiple interceptions yep. and runbacks, all type of stuff, but he didn't start every single game either, so it's a little bit different. But let's end out the podcast here with this. Bowl projections are going to come out. We're going to see bowl seeding come out as well, too. Mike Gundy has said Oklahoma State was definitely going to play in the bowl game. He feels as though the players definitely deserve it. Who do you want to see us match up against? And if you have the bowl kind of game ready, um, that as well. So I think it has to be, it's probably going to be an ACC team, right? Um, I know a lot of people are saying Cheez-It Bowl which is the former Camping World Bowl mm-hmm. and, and against Miami, which I guess I like, sure. I don't, I don't know how well we'd fare. I would assume that we would win the game. I don't know how good Miami's defense is because they've gotten absolutely demolished. I think North Carolina ran for like almost, almost 600 yards against it last week. Yeah, they had like a running back for 300 yards and another running back for 200 yards. So that's the one that I'm seeing the most. Um, but I guess it we won't be in like the Alamo Bowl, right? Because whoever wins will go to the Sugar. Yeah, correct. Yeah, I think so. I think should at least. And I've seen um, seen a lot of the, you know, Cheese it Bowl, but, you know, Camping World Bowl or whatever you want to say. I've seen a lot of that as well, too. And I've seen, the only other point I've seen is be possible matchup against is North Carolina State, which I'd much rather play. At, at that point, I'd much, much rather us play Miami. I want mm-hmm. us to, every single year, I always want us to play the toughest opponent in bowl games, period, because... If you win, you get to hang your hat on. Oh my gosh, can you believe this team capped off and all type of stuff, whatever. And if you lose, you always get to go in with the ah, team wasn't playing with that much. There are several starters out, the, you know, whatever it is. So I'd always like to see us play against the best possible team. Heck, if I would, if uh, excuse me, Ohio State wants to play us for some random reason, we'll we'll play them. Or Notre Dame wants to play Oklahoma State because currently they don't want to play in the Rose Bowl because their families wouldn't be able to see the game. Then we'll, we'll play Notre Dame, too, just because we'd be able to say, you know, whatever it is. We're able to go, yeah, we played them and we played them close or, you know, whatever it is. Because it's a bowl game. Like, it's not – in cultural playoffs, it would be much different. I'd say let's let's be the second seed or the third seed so we can not, you know – or let's be the one seed, of course, and let's play the fourth seed and whoever it may be. This, I think, it's just much different. And if it's NC State or, or Miami, I'd just say, let's play the U. Let's play, let's play Miami. Let's play them in Florida. Let's play them in Orlando. And let's just try to try to kick them in the teeth a bunch. I don't know. I think Miami has a couple bad games left in them. And, heck, there's only one more game left this season. So, hopefully, they can get that bad <laughs> game out against us. I just don't – I don't think Miami and the ACC is really that good, to be honest. I haven't thought they were that good the whole season. Same thing can be said about the Big Ten. Ohio State's played a lot of teams very close, but then again, they haven't. COVID's really hard to judge. SEC, I think, is the best conference in football, but they also just get a lot of of name recognition, too. So, altogether, I think ACC, I think it's Clemson and Notre Dame, and then everyone else is a step below. And I'd rather, I'd like to play Miami. I'd like to see how we do. Yeah. I think it'd be an enjoyable game that um, I always like playing non-conference opponents that are also in the power five. Mm-hmm. So it, and it's really a good, and we, I think we fare pretty well in bowl games for the most part. Um, but yeah, I, I think Miami would be fine. I, I think you're right. NC, I think you're right. Yeah. NC state just seems like we would blow them out of the water. I, I wonder where like North Carolina is projected to be. And uh, are they the third best team in the ACC? Yeah, I'm kind of curious as it goes through like all Big 12, you know, all team college football bowl projection previews or, or whatever. I I don't know because, you know, um, I'm on two, 247 Sports it, website so here. Orange Bowl. Okay. 
seems seems tough to believe that. I guess that we would play NC State, but Iowa State gets to play Oregon in the Alamo or whatever. I'd love to play Oregon instead, just to be honest. I'd love to play the Pac-12 or the ACC, but just love to play the best opponent Especially with the most name we... recognition. Yeah, and we play. I mean, it'd be basically yes, a home for Miami for intents <laughs> and purposes. Uh, definitely closer to Miami than it is to Stillwater. But yeah, I mean, bowl season will be fun. I think I'm more looking forward to what's going to happen this weekend between who else do we got? Are Cincinnati and Tulsa playing this weekend? I I don't I don't remember to be honest. I know I know you Iowa State. I'm curious to see the, how the rematch happens because Iowa State won that one and it was like, I mean it was a fun game to watch because I mean it looked like for a moment Oklahoma State had a chance to beat OU. Of course it did not happen, but. Just because, because oh, you had Tulsa lost. Tulsa Cincinnati play game. at eight. Tulsa Ooh. Cincinnati play at eight tomorrow. Prime they, time. They time go for up. the old. Oh, they go up against the NFL. That's the issue. Yeah. Yeah. So. Mm. But I, I mean, conference champions are not. The conference championships are not going to disappoint this year. I would say that. That Clemson Notre Dame game is going to be uh, very, very good. Yeah, because and then is it Northwestern at Ohio? Northwestern versus Ohio State for the Big Twelve Championship? Somehow, kind of a little ridiculous, but whatever. Um, at at noon, eleven your time, and then Clemson and Notre Dame at four on ABC. OU and Iowa State also at noon on ABC. Uh, and then Cincinnati and Tulsa. Are is the Pac twelve playing a tonight, I believe. It's Oregon USC a title game? tonight. Yeah, I think it's tonight, Oregon USC. Play each other. That's so that's so odd. And somehow USC's Thirteenth in the country, whatever. They eh. play five games. Yeah, not a ton of it matters at this point for yeah. the back twelve, at least. Um, I mean, could you imagine if like Clemson lost again, and then they have two losses, both Notre Dame? Clearly, they shouldn't be in the playoff. Because um, then, what would their excuse be, except for the fact that Texas A&M takes that spot because they're the fifth team? And I don't, I don't think A&M's that'd playing. Be awful. That'd be awful. But but you know it's part of it, right? AM's not playing another game, right? Yeah. So and and I, I I'm always oh, in the SEC. When's the SEC championship? SEC's tomorrow too, right? Yeah, Alabama, Florida. Well what if yeah, what if this Alabama, what if Florida beats Alabama? I know it's a bunch of just kind of make, you know, what ifs here that probably won't happen. But what if Florida beat Alabama and Clemson lose to Notre Dame. Then do we see? Is there any chance at all we see three SEC teams in Notre Dame play? You know what I mean? Because you, you see where I'm going here with it. Do we see? Yeah. If, um, yeah, if A and M would slide in because they're the fifth seed. You know, their only loss is to Alabama. Alabama, of course, is still making it. Their only loss would be to, you know, Florida, and then Florida is. Who did Florida lose to earlier this season? Right, because they're seventh in the country. So, who would they? They Th- lost this... A&M, right? Oh, that's that's right. I think. Yeah. This is why I so would love A&M's to see the only loss is to Alabama. Okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. And but they got Florida's loss. Yeah. Uh, Florida what? has two losses: A&M and LSU. So Florida's probably out, even if they win. Right. Yeah, I guess who's six in the country? That's Iowa State. Uh, I just unfortunately think they're going to lose to OU in the rematch. I think OU's playing so good. But if Florida wins, if if Florida wins, and Iowa State wins, Florida would jump Ohio or Iowa State like easily. Right. Right. They don't. 
they don't care when it comes to the SEC. So, well, right, and, three and, SEC teams would be painful. Well, and actually, though, what am I saying here? Because Ohio State's not losing, so and Alabama's staying in. So I think we can only see really two SEC teams in there. I don't think there's any way we see more than two SEC teams in there. I just I have a very difficult time, and I've talked to people about this, putting Texas A and M in if they got beat by thirty by Alabama. Like that's very difficult for to me, like because Clemson's gonna play the team that beat them. And if they beat them again, then I would say Clemson's probably the better team because if Trevor Lawrence plays that first game against Notre Dame, I would say that, that Clemson wins. Plain and simple. And obviously I don't know that for a fact. I actually think Notre Dame is very, very good this year. But I think Clemson still wins. And if if they lose tomorrow, then so be it. Then then Notre Dame's better than them. But Texas A&M wouldn't be higher than four, right? So they have to play Alabama again, a team that beat them by 30? Notre Dame didn't beat Clemson by 30. Well, so, yeah, that does a good point. I So if Clemson's only loss losses in this scenario are to Notre Dame, who's the number two team in the country at that point, then how do you not put Clemson still in there? I would just think at that point, if, if, if Clemson first, wins, if Clemson wins, Notre Dame and Clemson are both in. Right, but do we see them play each other again for the third time, or do uh, does Ohio State? Question. I think Ohio State would jump. I think Ohio State would jump. So I I don't know how, but what right now we're talking? It's Alabama one, Notre Dame two, Clemson three, Ohio State four. Somehow, some way, I don't know exactly how, but if Notre Dame loses to Clemson, Clemson tomorrow, I think we see Notre mm-hmm. Dame drop to four and play Alabama, and then Clemson, Ohio State. Just from Which the sheer probably fact how it should be. That that that's how. Yeah, I would. Yeah. I do not want to see Clemson unless Clemson Notre Dame is as good of a game as it was last time. I don't want to see it three times in one season. And for that point, I'm always going to be. For a team who's got zero losses on a season, who's ranked in the top ten in the country, who's played opponents, playing in the cultural playoffs. I know Cincinnati would have the longest of long shots here, but that's who I'm getting at, right? Cincinnati's not it, horrible. They're ninth in the country. I mean, the, the frustrating part is we were all sold on the playoff, right? Like, all of us as cultural ball fans were like, this is, this is your your ticket out of the BCS. And the one thing that we all wanted was for the teams that might not necessarily play the best schedule or whatever to also be able to get in. But they're still not rewarding those teams not losing. And it just seems, it seems a little unfair. I'll say it. It seems a little unfair. And I think everybody can attest to that. Like Cincinnati has done what they're supposed to do. They're eight. No, I, I mean, I don't know what, what more you want from them, but, but it's like, also Iowa state has two losses, right? One to Iowa, one to us. Correct. Um, and then obviously you've got Ohio state and, well, yeah, Iowa State's lost to like Louisiana State or to uh, Arkansas State, right? One of them lost. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's to Arkansas State because I think the Raging Cajuns um, beat K State. So, and but I, I don't. It, it, it just it just seems bad to argue if you lose to the best team in the country, and I'm not necessarily saying that Texas A&M does deserve a second in Alabama. But if you lose to the first team in the country that bad, like we lost to OU by what, 30? Mm-hmm. But we beat the second best team in the Big 12. 
and currently so, the best team in the Big 12, right? So until tomorrow. Right. Whereas, yeah, yeah, right. Whereas, I mean, I guess A&M technically did the same thing, so it's a little unfair to say that because they also beat Florida, who's the number one team in the SEC East, lost to the number one team in the SEC West, which is their only loss. But it's just like, are you really going to put those two teams from the same side? I, I think I'd rather see knowing how good and in the SEC West isn't anything special this year. It's not, it's not what it has been in the past. I think, I mean, Gus Malzahn got fired and they're the third best team in the SEC West. Well, we're back to 2011. If A&M gets in, that's just plain and simple. Yeah. If A&M gets in, we're back Absolutely. to 2011 with two teams from the same side of the same conference who already played each other in the regular season. And we saw how it worked out getting another chance to play each other instead of a different opponent. And I'm never going to be for teams playing basically against some they've already played against, right? Why in the world, if you're Cincinnati, Coastal Carolina, in in the playoffs, in the playoffs, yes, yes, in the playoffs, because conference championships, I mean, Clemson, Notre Dame get their rematch. But but at the same point, to be honest, I I don't think rematches should ever happen, really, for a championship, you know, um, college football or... Uh, conference championship because okay you, you had your chance to play him this is the weirdest season on record of the COVID stuff guys sitting out whatever it is so yes I'm happy that Trevor Lawrence does get a chance to play against Notre Dame I am happy that we do get to see that but in any other season especially any normal season hey you got your chance to play the team injuries happen to everyone right and yeah it sucks but you know what I'm not crying Wolf, when Dak Prescott goes down and the rest of the Dallas Cowboys season isn't what it is, but you know, it I'm sucks, not, but it's, it's it's just part it's of the a game. Part of sport. It's a part of sports. So when your guy goes down, okay, yeah, he's but it's Chris Paul really complaining that he wasn't healthy to play against the Golden State Warriors. I know I'm just jumping completely from uh, college to professional and different you know sports and leagues and everything there with that you know with that comparison, but look. I'm a, I'm, I'm just, a Liverpool I'm just, fan. We're yeah. first in the league. Yeah. You you have to overcome your injuries. You have and to. Yeah. You you have to, and it it gets old because like we could have used it for OSU this year. Oh yeah, we could have said hey, you we know could have been like oh, our, well, our we guys were, we were starting what? Yeah. Second and third string linemen and our banged oh, up yeah. running back the entire year. Yeah, Tevin Jenkins goes well, out in the, the first quarter. And Spencer Sanders goes out in the first series or second, third series of plays. Yeah, it's so the biggest point I'd say, and I'll I'll end the podcast on this, is that no matter what, I don't think Coastal Carolina and Cincinnati are getting in. I don't see either of them getting in. Mm -hmm. But if I'm them, there is a 0% chance I take whatever bull bid comes up. And instead, if I'm Coastal Carolina, I go... Hey, Cincinnati, we want to play you at you in your stadium, whatever day, right? We don't play you and we're going to name ourselves the national, whoever wins is going to be the national championship, right? It's kind of like what UCF <laughs> did before, UCF did previous yeah. years and they'd have a better claim to it because they, UCF, of course, couldn't got ranked, but they didn't play, they didn't play a completely, um, they didn't play a unbeaten team when they played, I think it was LSU or whatever. And it was a New Year's Six Bowl, so it was different. But these two teams, if they are not facing up against facing off against each other, it's just a weird season. And if I was them, I would just say, screw it. We're not going to take whatever it is. I, I'm assuming they will because I'm assuming one of the two teams will get a New Year's Six opportunity. I'm assuming Cincinnati will, of course. I think that's how it works out with a non-Power 5 gets that. You know, if they don't go to the playoffs and they do get that, that bull bid. But Which is a whole other can of worms. Right, right. But they should go. We only want to play Coastal Carolina or whatever. I don't know. Maybe maybe Cincinnati will go. No, we want to play A and M, and then Cincinnati can be A and M, and that'll kind of be what we saw with UCF playing the supposedly second best team in the SEC, which was LSU that year that UCF played. But the UCF beat them. So that that that's all I'm gonna say. I mean, I'm I'm a fan of the playoffs, and I think this year only drives us to see. Yeah, let's get the BCS system back in to choose the top four. I don't know necessarily who it would be right now. It probably it might be all the exact same teams. 
and this is definitely a word season. I've said it before. I'll say it again. But we do that, and we expand this there, thing out to six there's teams. Clearly, yeah. Or I think it should be eight. But there's clearly not an object objectivity. That's such an odd word to say. Objectivity anymore with the playoff. And I think we even saw it the first year with TCU getting jumped by Ohio State out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. But, oh, yeah. And I, I'm all and, for eight teams. I'm all for ten teams. I, <clears throat> I, I Heck, I, I love watching college football. So, if the, you know, if the players are cool with playing it and no one's bad an eye because they're not getting paid, whatever, heck, I take 16, you know, and just say screw it. And yeah, let's just have this uh, formal three rounds, whatever it is. All being said, I think six is more likely with the first you know, top top one and two teams getting buys, and we see after that just because there's the whole other discussion. And I think that the, the diehards go, why in the world would we have Alabama play this many more games with Nick Saban when the more games you play, the more fluky stuff happens, and we see them lose to Auburn, or we see them lose to whoever it is in the last game of the season they've got. Whereas, has Alabama lost an SEC championship game in like the past couple of years? I don't think so. So, we'll it, see. I, I think all we're seeing is that we just need a bigger playoff. I think that's all we're seeing. And the, the parity in college football is coming back. You're getting your Boise States, right? You're getting, I mean, Cincinnati's undefeated. Coastal Carolina's undefeated. Like, I'm sorry that they didn't schedule LSU, but I. I don't know what you expect them to do. I'm su- I'm so sorry that 10 years ago they didn't schedule somebody. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> you know, because that's that's what it takes now to schedule these non-conference opponents. And for anyone who's, I mean, I'm sorry Oklahoma State scheduled Oregon State like three years ago or six years ago, whatever it was. And, of course, we didn't play them this season. But, Jake, I- I'll leave it here. Um, with all being said, uh, we'll do our Oklahoma State football wrap-up podcast here later on thank you so much for listening to the latest episode of the cga tour hosted by calvin glenn alexander and co-hosted at this point by jake carlson for the oklahoma state <laughs> stuff at least of course so we'll catch you guys again soon please follow the at the cga tour on twitter and instagram for more and again we'll catch you guys again soon peace thank you